morning, crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from some of the top crypto researchers in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T fam of this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Mario is in the background this morning, and we've got a very special guest, somebody who's renowned in the XRP community, known as the founder of XRP Las Vegas, but many of his listeners know him as Digital Perspectives. Brad Kimes is in the building, ladies and gentlemen, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Ripple is partnering with the Hong Kong Monetary Authority to develop a CBDC product revealing its new global central bank digital currency platform as Ledger is apologizing to their community for the misconceptions about their cold storage upgrade, stating this new upgrade is bringing hundreds of millions into self-custody. And with Judge Torres confirming the him and emails will be released on June 6th, we break down the details, showing our community how the banking crisis is creating the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, we've got a lot of news to get into, but I think the title of today's episode is very fitting. Ripple is not using XRP for the CBDC. We're going to break it down for our listeners. But first of all, how you feeling, my friend? Thank you for being here. Abs, it's a Friday. I'm feeling great. I'm six feet above ground breathing, so it's always great. Let me just start like we always do. Good morning to all Warrior Maniacs. We love you, appreciate you. But I am super excited. This is a special Friday because we have a very, very special man in the house. Everybody knows how much I love this man. And he put on one phenomenal, phenomenal conference. Uh, just it's been, People have been raving about it for the past three weeks. I can't believe it's already been like three, <laughs> three weeks how quick it's been. But Brad... Fantastic jobs. I'm super excited. I can't wait to hop into that and all the other news. Uh, I love Brad Kime, so I'm glad you're here today. Happy to, happy to be with you, brother. Always happy to have you in the building, Brad. And today's an exciting episode, not only because you're joining the show, not only because you're on Good Morning Crypto, but we're going to break down some key details in the Ripple update. So I'm really excited to get your opinion. First of all, how are you feeling and how is it having the monkey off your back? XRP Las Vegas was a huge success. <laughs> well, thank you, Abs. Thank you, Johnny. Sending love back to you, my brother. And uh, look, uh, I have to say, um, it is a relief to be past it. It was surreal going through it because there's, you know, you're you're blown away knowing how many amazing people. And I do want to remark, amazing people. Um, and and then have look. I mean, from the speakers and the panelists to Brad showing up to the attendees. It's like, I tried to shake and take a picture with everybody that wanted it and, and to engage what I could, but obviously there's a lot of moving parts, you know, that are going on behind the scenes that, you know, that there's these critical moments you really need to be involved to make sure that there's no hiccup and no, no snag, if you will, you know, to the day. So everybody has a great experience um, on that part of it. We're glad to be past that part of it. But I can say, um, and, and and shout out to Molly Elmore, because she said this in a certain way that really stuck with me. And she was a big part of the conference as well. But she said, like, you know, everybody was so happy and positive. You come home and you just start thinking to yourself, why isn't every day of the week like this? And why am I not surrounded by people that are this positive and energetic every day of the week. It it really kind of stays with you a little bit. And 
it is a reminder to really check your circle and make sure that everything's good the way you need it. But after post conference, I know my wife and I um, are are just we're we're still like there's moments we look back on it and it still feels very surreal that we were able to do that. And let me tell you, I can't even finish this thought or, or comment without celebrating the enormous amount of people that were involved to make this happen. You guys, staff, you know, there were so many, and I don't want to forget someone's name, but they know who they are and they know how much they played a key role in this. And they really did. And it took so many people to pull this off that I'm just, uh, I'm very grateful to have those people in my corner. Well, Brad, I want to give you a shout out as well for not only giving us an opportunity to represent the community, but bringing the XRP community together for the first time. Everyone knows this whole debacle, this crypto wave, it took off in 2020. Everyone's been locked down. So to get the community together in one building, it was really exciting. It was a very unique experience for me in particular. But I got to put you on the spot here. Are we going to get an XRP Las Vegas? Is this an annual event, Brad? Can we expect it next year? Yes, absolutely. We are going to do this next year. There is going to be an XRP Las Vegas 2024. We do intend to make this an annual event. And I'm very excited about that. And I tell you, um, I'm going to be releasing, nobody knows this, I'm going to be releasing all of the panels this weekend uh, so everyone can see all the different panels from the conference on Saturday, right? I know a lot of people were under confusion and thought this was just a meetup, but, you know, hold on to your hat because you're about to see some remarkable panels that we had on Saturday. And it's only getting started, Brad. I want to give a shout out to our own conference. We started Good Morning Crypto from something very similar. Me and Johnny, we met at one of these events. We started discussing ideas. We kept in contact. Little did we know we'd be taking over the world just a couple months later. And Johnny, obviously I'm kidding there, but we got 222 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And one of our listeners asked, will it be a larger venue next year? Brad, I think it's going to have to be because there's a lot of people who want to go to this event. We're going to need a bigger room, Brad. We're going <laughs> to need a bigger room. But I do want to say this Ab, before you hop into it. Just want to give a kudos to Brad and his whole team. I mean, the event that they put on was phenomenal. But being able to keep secret that one of the coolest CEOs in the world, Brad Garganhaus, was going to be there. And none of us knew about it. I don't know how you guys kept it secret. I don't know how you got him, number one. And two, how you kept it secret. But kudos to you and your team. For doing such a wonderful job. It's hard to keep secrets like that. We were all excited. We started hearing rumors a few minutes before it, like somebody big might be here. But even then, no one would, no matter how hard we pulled, nobody would let us would tell us who it was. So I just wanted you to know your team was super, super uh they, they were efficient in what they did, and boy, they kept a tight lip on that one. You well, trust right there, Brad. Well, thank you. And we do, and it is a very tight circle. Um, that was a very close, close circle for uh, Brad being there. And, you know, we just felt it best that we would do, uh, you know, the under promise over deliver strategy. That was our goal. And I do feel like we achieved the goal for the community and that was most important to us. Um, and again, very grateful for Brad coming, but yeah, we were able to keep that very quiet and look, if you don't know nothing else about me, you know that I can keep a secret, buddy. I can tell you that. And now we know that for sure, Johnny. And with that being said, we're going to start to show off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. We're at 4,173 followers. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index, it's in neutral this morning. And typically, we skip right over this, Johnny, but we haven't addressed it this week. So I'm going to give you the floor. 
anything you want to address here, neutral 48 on the fear and greed index. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, as I said the other day, you know, we're sitting in this zone right now. For me, I'm not really, uh, I'm definitely not on the on the buy side for sure. And I'm certainly not in the sell either. You know, I'm looking for, so when you see kind of in the neutral, but you're coming off of a, a greed side, that's not a great thing. You know, if anything, I'm looking for when we pull more down into that, there we go. See them tens and twenties abs. That's when I get excited. Now I know everybody's like, Johnny, why are you excited when we're in fear? Because if you know how to play the game, you know that's when you should be buying. This isn't the time to be buying abs. So no, I'm not, I'm not particularly I, you know, I'm not a Pepe guy. I'm not buying into those, you know, pump and dump fake schemes and all that crap, meme coins. But there are a couple of things. I certainly the gaming side of it, I am looking at. I got my on on Gala and Myra, those kinds of things, and I'm keeping an eye on those. But I'm not a buyer buyer right now. I want to see those tens and twenties again. I know nobody's going to like that. But the reality is, before we get the next leg up, we have to have that net, that last pullback down, and that's what we're waiting for. Abs. So for now, for neutral, mm, doesn't really mean much for me. I'm just sitting here patient. I know I, I got my list. Here's my list of things I want to buy. Got them right here in paper. I'm old school pen and paper kind of guy. And so from that perspective, when the prices start coming down, that's when we'll start talking. They're spot on, Johnny. And right now, we are sitting at $1.12 trillion in total market cap this morning. Bitcoin is 46% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 27100 Ethereum, 1800 XRP is $0.47. Cents, and we're up about 7 or sorry, 11% on the seven-day. But here's what I want to bring up, Brad. Let's get this show started with a little bit of a fun topic. Johnny brought up Pepe token. Yesterday, we revealed some very interesting news. BlackRock owned 1.2 trillion in the Pepe token itself. And they profited over two and a half million during that whole debacle of pumping and then dumping on retail investors. So I got to ask you, are you surprised that BlackRock owned nearly 1.2 trillion in Pepe tokens? I mean, yes, but no, right? Like, I mean, you know, it's a pump and dump, but I mean, then again, we're talking about BlackRock, so we we shouldn't rule anything out, right? I mean, that's, I don't do, I'm like Johnny, you know, like I'm not a pump and dump guy. I don't chase green candles. I'm a long-term guy. I'm not a trader, right? I I don't even swing trade. I, I, I buy and I hold. That's how I do it. That's really old school approach kind of thing. But that's what allows me to be so permanently bullish on this space, right? Is that I know I'm in here for the innovation and the things that I believe can actually change the game. And that allows me to stay excited and enthusiastic over these long, long crypto winners that we've been experiencing. Absolutely, Brad. And the big news that everyone's talking about this morning, it is not the Pepe token, but instead we're talking about Ripple's new central bank digital currency as it may have no need for their currency XRP. But guys, we got 275 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button, and check out this latest article out of Ripple because I believe this headline is extremely misleading. Ripple's new central bank digital currency play has no direct need for XRP, said BlockWorks. Ripple is launching a platform dedicated to central bank digital currencies. The platform is a frictionless end-to-end solution that would allow for central banks, financial institutions, and governments to issue their own CBDCs. Users can holistically manage, customize the entire life cycle of a fiat-based CBDC transaction and distribution. At the time, Ripple said that XRP could be leveraged as a neutral bridge asset for frictionless value movement between CBDCs and other currencies. Ripple built both its private ledger and the CBDC platform on the XRPL, and the private ledger is based on the XRPL, but does not require 
XRP to operate. And I think that's a good time to pause, Brad, and get some commentary from you. A lot of debate in the community about this news. A lot of people were concerned, is Ripple misleading us? Is Ripple really developing CBDCs, but leaving the XRP community in the dark? I'd love to get your opinion before I give my two cents. What's really going on here? Not, it, it's not an issue, right? It's, it's a non-issue situation. You know, the full stack and the full suite of products as the new Ripple CBDC stablecoin platform offers everything that they offer in one product. And what's amazing about that is like if people understand, you know, forget the XRP token for a second. Think about the XRP ledger. The XRP ledger is the world exchange. It is the first decentralized exchange for the world. So if we understand that, I wouldn't necessarily, let's say if I wanted to make a market between currency A and currency B, well, I don't need to engage currency G and F and C and D and to get that done, I could just go currency to currency. XRP exists on that protocol and that decentralized ledger for the world, and you use it where it's applicable if you need to. If you don't need to, you don't use it. And it's that simple. And I think that article, and I'm glad you brought that article up because I think that article is misleading because, you know, it's, you know, just because you don't have to use something doesn't mean that it doesn't have relevance, right? It's just, it's there as applicable. That's what it's for. Hey, hey, Abs, if you can, bring that article back up again. Absolutely. And I got to apologize. The mute button is killing me this morning, Brad. So if you hear some long pauses, it's because I'm on the other screen. But guys, we got 303 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Crypto Airy had a response to this article, Johnny. But I know you had a response. Open floor, my friend. Let me tell you, first of all, this is the classic classic case of clickbait what's her name Catherine ross there you go guys guys if you want a clickbait artist that's who she is because here's the deal so you we you and i we spoke to some ripple developers a while back and we know what they told us right they said look guys and we actually revealed it here on this show so this should be no surprise we told you that the xrp ledger the odl does not necessarily need to be required to use the, the xrp um basically they said we designed it because we want to grow the crypto industry and we've made it so that multiple uh, cryptocurrencies and technologies can operate on it. However, it is designed optimally to work with XRP. And so 99% chance, if you're going to adopt the XRP, uh, the ODL, you're probably going to use the XRP, uh, you know, cryptocurrency. This is just, so that's just a note. So this is just her taking advantage of something, knowing that, Hey, yes, this is a fact. There's no question that you do not need to use the XRP. We all know that. If you did your homework, you know that. If you watch Good Morning Crypto Show, you know that because we tell you that. But she just exploited it brilliantly and nailed I mean, you want to talk about a clickbait artist, man. Holy cow. She nailed it good because she's got everybody up in arms talking about it. But the reality is, if you were paying attention, we've known this. I saw this article. I kind of laughed at it. I think I even sent it to you, you know, because it was just funny that you can. we knew what was going on. We can sniff out this clickbait shit. So easy, uh, you know. Matter of fact, I'm gonna have to put her on the rat snake. We where is it? I'm, I'm wondering, guys, maybe we need to put Catherine on the rat snake weasel list. Although that index is getting very, very full, Johnny. We're gonna need a bigger dial pretty soon. We're gonna 
need a bigger meet. Brad's going to need a bigger room and we're going to need a bigger meter. No question about it. No doubt about it, Johnny. And you weren't the only person who was fired up about this news as David Schwartz also took the time to respond to this particular article last night. The CBDC platform reaffirms the significance of the XRP ledger as it's built with the same core ledger technology. It has the ability to interact with the XRPL and use XRP as a bridge currency for cross-border and cross-currency payments. That's why they call it the bridge currency, Brad. So I'd like to give you a chance to elaborate here. Is David Schwartz correct? Does this change your sentiment on XRP? I'm sure for a lot of people, this was relevant news. Well, I I felt like it was David reinforcing what we all know that have been in this space a while. You know, he gave a speech a few years ago, I think it was at Stanford, where he said the best incentive is no incentive. And that's really what this speaks to. It's like you don't want to create a situation or a project or a value protocol or token, however you want to say it, where people are forced to use the thing, whatever that thing is. You want to create a solution that is there for people to use and they could choose to use it or not choose to use it. And, and that that's how you get the best. And then ultimately over time, if that thing we're talking about, let's say XRP and the XRP ledger, actually solves a problem and is a solution to a pain point or friction in someone's business, then you're going to see that solution be used. And I think that's the confidence coming from David Schwartz to explain that we're not afraid to put this out here and say, you choose. We don't need to force you to do anything. You pick which one you want to use. And we've seen some great news out of China this week as they confirmed they're working with Ripple to develop a central bank digital currency. Well, we've got some more breaking news today as Hong Kong launches a digital currency pilot with 16 firms, including HSBC, Bank of China, and Alipay. And of course, we can make the assumption that Ripple is going to be involved in some of these pilot programs. But what I want to focus on, Brad, is that innovation is moving quickly outside of the United States. We're seeing American companies go overseas and being welcomed with open arms while Gary Gensler and the SEC are suing crypto companies trying to operate. So I'm going to ask you boldly, before we get into the details of this article, is this your biggest concern going into the 2025 anticipated bull run that many of the adoption is actually going to play, take place overseas outside of American borders? Well, I think it's a great question, uh, Abs. And you know, we have to acknowledge the fact that you know, look, there's a part of me that believes that uh, the U.S. is stalling and delaying intentionally. And I believe that because they are the largest economy of the world. There you go, Johnny. So I, I do believe that it's intentional, but I don't believe they're going to miss this innovation race. And I know that you, I say that and then we can point to evidence directly today where people are leaving the country because of what's going on. But ultimately, I don't think they miss this where it shuts the door on the largest economy of the world. I think ultimately the largest economy of the world knows that they're the largest economy of the world and they are going to be in, the, in this thing. And maybe just maybe what we're watching is the rest of the world adoption and the U.S. learning from what works and what doesn't. And then in the 11th hour, like everything does usually here in the United States and through government, they'll come in and. They'll sweep something through. And we know that there's a lot of uh, bills and, and different uh, introduction of bills and things of that nature that have been introduced. So at some point, I believe they are grab the best parts of whatever it is and they're going to put it through. Look at the birth of the Internet, the Telecommunications Act, right? That's That simple bill is what really opened the door for the dot-com era. 
Yeah, and yeah. you know what? People don't realize this, and Abs was in diapers, so he won't remember this too. But there was a lot of pushback back then to, to get that bill passed and a bunch of other things. There was a lot of, you know, and that's why we go through the stages. First, they ignore you, then they laugh at you, and then right now, the stage we're in, then they fight you. Yeah. That happened with the internet too, but a lot yeah. of people don't remember it. And so what I tell everybody is we're going through that stage right now. It's very painful. You know, those of us who are actually in the car going on the bumpy road, got to put the seatbelt on, take the Tums, because we know it's going to be, you know, there's going to be some acid reflux. There's going to be some stomach issues and pain. But when we get through it all on the other side, boy, for the people who have been in this early enough and waiting patiently, I really think the upside potential is going to be huge, huge upside um, on this, Brad. But the question is, are people willing to say, because a lot of people have already been shaking up. Oh, you know, I know a lot of friends who like kind of got in, we kind of convinced them, yeah, get in. And then like the middle of the bit, boom, they were out of there. Right. So like, they're going to miss the boat, unfortunately. But I think for the troopers, the warriors and all the, the Bradomaniacs who are here that are going to hang out and fight through this thing. I think that's a new one. We're going to have to coin that one. All the Bradomaniacs, <laughs> uh, they're going to, they're going to come out really, really wealthy on the other side. So kudos to them. Yeah. Spot on, Brad. And another thing that I want to reference is somebody else in our community, Crypto Erie. She responded to the author of this article. So Catherine Ross, Johnny Crypto, you weren't the only one calling her out on her misleading headlines. Crypto Erie brought her through the flames as well. She said the headline we ran is not misleading, though. We said that there ha there was no direct need for XRP. Yes, there is an option for central banks to interact or utilize XRP. But as I reported, banks using the platform do not need to use XRP. So, Brad... Before I read Crypto Erie's response, how do you feel about Kathleen Ross, you know, basically protecting herself here? Well, I mean, she is right. She just chose to put a negative spin on it, right? I mean, you know, that's the that's the difference. It's like, you know, you could choose half full, half empty, right? It's all in what you choose. You know what I mean? It really, really is. Spot on. And Brad, this is another reason I think we have one of the smartest communities, not only in crypto, really in all of these markets, as people are held accountable. You can't put out these fake news headlines in our community and not be put to the flames. And this is what uh, Crypto Airy responded to Catherine Ross about that article. She said, of course, it's obvious. A fork, a private fork of XRP is secured by its own asset. Now I'm 100% sure that you don't understand the technical level of the XRPL. And I want to give a shout out to Crypto Airy. She's always the first one to jump into these battles. So shout out to her. She said, how about XRP emerges as a potential conversation conversion option for central bank digital currencies, aka bridge asset. Central banks could leverage XRP for seamless CBDC conversions. Central banks could integrate XRP for effortless conversions and enhance interoperability. XRP's potential role in CBDC landscape for conversion. XRP could open doors to streamline conversions and interlink bank connectivity. XRP's integration is a viable solution for CBDC conversions. And finally, XRP's integration could fuel seamless CBDC conversions. So Brad, in plain English here, simple aggregate, simple global economy. You got all these different functioning networks, but in order for them to communicate, they run through the XRPL. And that's what Crypto Aries breaking down. How do you feel about her commentary? Well, I think it's spot on. And honestly, you know, I think it's just good to see like the the, the social media community focusing the guns on on the outside and taking these shots from the outside instead of turning these guns on the inside of the community. That's what I think is really standing out to me here. And kudos to Elizabeth for laying that down. She put it down like fire.
spot on. And Johnny Crypto, I got to get some comments from you as well. 90% of the use cases or 100% that Crypto Erie broke down here have to do with central bank digital currencies. But we know that's not all Ripple's doing, right? XRP can be used for many different assets. And we're going to talk about it later in the episode. But Brad, we saw this huge news this week as Ripple buys a crypto custody firm, Medico, for nearly a quarter billion dollars. And a lot of people were concerned because everyone thought PolySign was going to be the big announcement. So I know you're very informed about this particular topic. What do you think about this news? Look, I think this is fantastic news. One, I have to admit that for two days, I called it, uh, I call it Metaco and it's actually Medico. So, uh, you know, so I got, I got to make fun of myself on that one. Number two, uh, the, the first knee jerk reaction I started to hear from the community, right? It was everybody saying, Hey, why didn't they buy PolySign? Right. And, and I think there's some, there, this is speculation, but I, my speculation is one, I think it's great that Ripple's bought a company outright and they're going to leave that company its own company so they can have it for custody. That's a great vertical for Ripple and their institutional clients that they can provide custody in-house. Massive. I don't even think you could really say any more. You know, you, can, you can't overstate how great that is for Ripple. Now, coming over to PolySign and why not PolySign? Now we have to put a little speculation into this. But if we put the speculation into this, it really leaves me here. If you look at the board of PolySign, you see Tim Keeney. Tim Keeney is the guy who worked at BNY Mellon, and he was in control of 25% of the global assets of the world when he was at BNY Mellon. Then I start to put together what Jack McDonald has said a few months ago when he was with Link2 talking with them. And he said that, you know, PolySign could be what they refer to as a bolt-on or a tuck-in company, which is mainly saying that we could be an acquisition for a much larger company. Right. And that really says that I got I had alarms going off in my head that said, well, Tim Keeney, BNY Mellon, he was responsible for 25 percent of the world's assets. He's over here at PolySign. Maybe just maybe this PolySign BNY Mellon thing becomes the bolt on tuck in acquisition that Jack was talking about. I don't know, but I'm half full on that. It is interesting, Johnny. I got to get some of your thoughts as well. We know that Ripple has a magnitude, a massive amount of use cases yet to even hit the market. But when you talk about custody, that's something that the average investor doesn't fully understand. And I think Brad broke it down fairly well. What does that news mean to you? Quarter billion dollars spent in that acquisition. Well, first of all, you have to understand how the industry works. And custody is really the way the game is played. If you can't custody the crypto, you're really just a, you're just a, a middleman. And so that... And custody allows them to get into the space of enterprise. And the reality is the real adoption doesn't come through retailers like you and me. No, it comes through business adoption and growth through enterprises. This is a a must have for them. They absolutely needed it. And when you think about Ripple, this is why I love Ripple, the company, and so thankful for Link2. And guys, if you can, you know, if if you're a credit investor, hop into it. If you're not, join the academy. We're going to have a program where you can get into uh, uh, companies like that so you can get access to Ripple. This is why I love Ripple, the company, and I love that man right there. In fact, I'm even growing the beard. Just kind of kind of trying to pull the pull off the the pull off the uh the Brad Gargoyles look. But uh the reality is they are doing such great things and moving the company in a position to not only play in just the cross-border payment space, but in the NFT market space, in the eventually tokenization space, and more importantly the custody space. You can't grow as a company. This makes them as Brad said more fully vertically integrated. And how smart were they 
They know the SEC is messing with them in the U.S. And what they do? They went and bought a company outside the U.S. They don't have to deal with none of that bull horse bullshit from the SEC. And they get to bolt on a custody part. It was absolutely brilliant. And another reason why I love Brad Garlinghouse and Ripple, the company. Absolutely wonderful move for them. I'm very, very bullish on this move. I'm very, very bullish. Not on XRP. Now, remember, if you own XRP, you don't own Ripple. They're not the same, right? That's why it's a whole SEC argument. But you own XRP, the crypto. If you own Ripple, the company, then you can benefit in the growth of this kind of stuff. So, Johnny, you bring up something important. If this is your first year as an XRP investor, the most important things you got to know for course number one, Ripple and XRP are not the same thing. And the place to buy XRP in America is on uphold. But we got 381 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this latest update, Brad. I'm going to kick it straight to you because Brad Garlinghouse was just elaborating on what Johnny Crypto broke down. What I think will be next is certainly something Ripple thinks about. We started with enterprise-based cross-border payments. We talked about there being four kind of primitive pieces in blockchain-based technologies. Liquidity, compliance, I'm going to miss uh, liquidity, compliance, custody, and tokenization. And Ripple really aspires to be more than just that kind of liquidity and cross-border payments. I think you'd expect that we will expand into some of, uh, some of those other areas, either organically or through acquisition. And I think we'll look at, let's make acquisitions in markets that are friendly to these technologies. Uh, on the previous panel, you had representation from the EOAE, you had representation from Switzerland. These are countries that are providing the clarity for entrepreneurs to invest and that allows a company like Ripple that is larger, we have a billion, more than a billion dollars of US dollars cash on our balance sheet. We want to deploy that to grow both organically, internally, but also inorganically through acquisition. Wow, he dropped a couple of gems there, Brad, but the one I want to focus on is this. He brought up the UAE and Switzerland within that speech right there. And the one thing that I want to point out is both of those jurisdictions, Switzerland's the banking capital of the world for anybody who doesn't know, because a lot of people don't know that Switzerland is very, very important for global banking and Ripple is building their connections there. And Brad, that's what I wanted to connect this with. We found this video earlier this weekend where right now Ripple has four employees currently working on central bank digital currency products with the Switzerland central bank. Brad Garlinghouse referred to it there. What does it mean to you? There were so many gems within that clip. Well, there is so many gems in that clip, Abs. It's a great point. But what I want to say is this. So we just saw them buy custody, right, of Medico, right? We just saw them announce the Ripple new CBDC stablecoin platform. That's tokenization, right? And then we talk about compliance. We're waiting for regulatory clarity in the SEC versus Ripple. And then I think we could talk about that other thing in a very big way once we get it. It's liquidity. Those are the four things that he talked about, right? And that's what's sticking out to me. And if you think about what they're doing there in those four areas, I think once we get clarity in this SEC versus Ripple case, watch out for the liquidity to pour onto this network. Love this comment right here. Check out this comment from John Garcia. I'm very new to this. The reason is I won 250 XRP at an event and I was blessed because I have zero money to invest in. Well, John, that is that is the universe pointing you in the right direction right there, my friend. The fact that you were blessed 250 XRP, congratulations. And hopefully it's just a start on this unique journey. But Johnny, I'd love to get some comments from you as well. What do you think about Brad's statements as well as Brad Kimes? Yeah, no, I, I, as I said earlier, you know, they are positioning Ripple 
to be in a place to be able to capitalize on all these different pieces. And I think, you know, you've got to have all, all four elements and we're working towards it. We just have, as I said yesterday, the one thing that's holding Ripple back in the U.S. anyway is just the monkey on their back. Once they get that monkey off their back abs, I really, really think they'll be in a really, really good position. But what they have done brilliantly is while the U.S. kind of kicked them and pushed them out of the U.S., they said, okay, no problem. You know what? We'll go plant our seeds globally. And that's what they're doing right now. They actually did them a favor. They don't realize it because they could have started in the U.S., right? And, and, and that's always a good idea because it's the largest market in the world. But, okay, you don't want us to play here? They didn't just roll over and play dead. They said, all right, screw you. Boom, we'll go here. We'll go here. Palau, South Africa, Hong Kong. They're playing at Singapore right now. They're actually going at Singapore. They're planting their seeds everywhere. So what that means is in the long run, there's two ways to play the game. Either win, either either develop in the U.S., right, and you get, and you get that and they'll expand globally. Or play everywhere else. And it forces the U.S. later on, as Brad said, rightfully, a few years later, when, when the U.S. comes into play because they're playing from behind, catch up. Well, shit, now they don't have no say. They got to play with where the system is existing. And guess who's going to own that system? Yeah, I'd like to chime in here if I could, too, real quick, because I think you make such a great point, Johnny. Um, that's how you play the game, right? Boom. Leverage. You don't stop, right? Because if you're not able to go this way, then you go this way. And if people think that the judge is not aware of the global adoption that's taking place with Ripple and XRP Ledger and the technology, I tell you, I got a bridge to sell you somewhere. Uh, and, and, and it really speaks to that, doesn't it, Johnny? It's all about leverage and creating that leverage. Now, I'm not saying that legally the judge is going to rule in some different way because of that knowledge. What I'm saying is, is that knowledge is going to inform the judge that there is commercial use of this. Let's understand that. You know, this is the only company in commercial use with a digital asset in the manner that they're they're doing it. I mean, this is that is a remarkable statement at this day. Yeah, and just building on that, Brad, don't forget 14, was it 14 amicus briefings basically <laughs> explaining how XRP is being used today for utility, right? I mean, when we had Jeremy Hogan on the show, he said he'd never seen that many. If you get one amicus briefing, you're lucky. Or two, you're blessed. Forget 14 of them. Forget about it. What does that tell you? There is no doubt about it that the sales have been set. The wind is blowing, and they are so far ahead of the game. They are they are positioning themselves incredibly great. It's just that last monkey has got to get off their back. And when they do, you want to talk about a company that's going to be so primed to pump? Oh, baby, it's going to be exciting, Brad. Yeah, and to your point, really quickly, I just want to put this thought in here with the am amicus briefs. They are so crucial and so important, and I don't think you can overstate it. And I did an interview with a Meta Lawman on Twitter, J Attorney James Murphy, and he is brilliant. And you know what he had said to me in that inter in one of the interviews I had with him? He believes that John Deaton has changed the way forevermore that crypto will be fought legally in court because of the amicus brief that he had filed. Wow. And that has started a water slide, and, or a waterfall rather, of amicus briefs pouring into the actual SEC versus Ripple case. And I do believe that he makes that point because if you're talking about the idea of something being security or not, decentralized or not, you're going to need those third parties to come in and make that argument for you. That's how that has to happen. Exactly. And you know, you know what's what? funny? Know why that happened, Abs? Because the courts wouldn't let John Deaton participate as part of the case. So John did, again, another example of not giving up. And he was able to stay in the fight and be able to do it through the amicus briefings. And here's the best part now, Brad. 
Here's the good news for Ripple. In this ruling, we, we talked about Jimmy Hogan on the show, and there's kind of a couple different levels of the rulings and how it can affect the industry. And we know that if it's just a pure settlement and no, no ruling whatsoever, right, just a settlement, well, that's actually really, really good news for Ripple because they get the clarity they need and the rest of the industry really gets left hanging which we don't think is going to happen, but we'll see. The next level is the judge, Taurus, actually makes a ruling decision. And if she agrees in the favor of Ripple, well, that's going to then create a low level, a weak level, what we call precedence, where cases, you know, that, that'll kind of help set. But if it gets to the appellate level and a decision is made there and upheld where Ripple wins the case at the appellate, forget about it. It's game over. Now you have clarity through this industry that is really going to help it. So when you think about the $200 million that Ripple had to spend, unfortunately, that could have probably gone to another acquisition. It's sad. It went to probably five lawyers. But at the end of the day, it can potentially help the industry as a whole, depending on what level of ruling we get. So the leverage and the ruling, all that's going to have a big – that's why we have to keep around what happens here, Brad. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of ruling we get. And that's either going to give a significant advantage to Ripple or help the industry as a whole. Either way, I see it as a win-win. Brad, there's a lot of conversations going on in the private chat, but something that we got to address is the fact that Judge Torres denied the SEC's motion to seal the Hinman emails. And this document could reveal some groundbreaking news from the SEC. And we're going to be breaking that down. But before we get into that, we got 396 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And you know what, guys? It's Friday, so I want to do something nice for our listeners. Here's the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com, that's MerlinCrypto.com, and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Guys, not only is it the smartest way to track your crypto, you get to try it out 30 days absolutely free. So go check out the link down below, throw your email in there, literally nothing to lose. You're not even paying for the product. But with that being said, Johnny, go ahead. Hey, Abs, just remember this. Ripple had an exit plan when they got booted out of the U.S., and you should too. Make sure you sign up, get on the wait list. Merlin said it first. Putin had an exit plan. And with that being said, guys, we're going to get into this link to article because I'm sure many people are excited to hear Brad's opinion on this. We discussed it in depth yesterday, so I'm not going to give my two cents before you give yours. But Judge Torres forcing the SEC to reveal the Hinman emails. This is some information many of our listeners may not be aware of. There were 63 drafts of the Hinman speech before he gave it, publicly declaring that Ethereum was not a security. Within those 63 drafts, all of them should be open to the public. And the reason that's important, Brad, is because if any of them reference XRP, that can now be involved in the lawsuit and that can be entered into the conversation. So I'd love to hear what is most important to you and how do you feel about the Hinman emails being released to the general public? Well, it's a great question, Abs, and thank you for asking it. Um, you know, look, uh, first of all, I think this is a, 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 it's almost like the greed fear index, right? There's a spectrum. There's a, 
there's a temperature gauge here, right? Uh, one, we know that Ripple has already seen the emails, right? So we know that they've seen them. Brad Garlinghouse said it's a shameless behavior when we see them and find out. So if there was something absolutely criminal, I think that the judge would have already initiated an investigation against the people involved in those e emails. And I believe Ripple would have certainly used it, you know, in, in any kind of defense measure for themselves as well. So I'm guessing that if I had to guess that we're seeing enough activity of the people on there in the temperature gauge, the light end is shameful. The other end, the extreme end is criminal, right? And I think we're going to sit in there because we know that most of these people are lawyers. So I'm sure that they're walking right up to the edge of breaking the law is what it seems like. And that's probably what would you know fall under a shameful uh, uh, distinction there. But I am excited to see them and who is actually involved in them, because I think that's another big part of this. But I did also happen to see abs. And I don't know if you saw it. It just came out right before our show started. Uh, both parties have agreed now to add a uh, wait an extra week or ask for an extra week to put the voluminous uh, 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 amount of information out collectively together. So the, both the SEC and Ripple are, are, are asking for that week together to organize this and release them. So let's have a debate or a discussion about why are they doing that? Why is Ripple willing to work with the SEC here? And why is the SEC mm -hmm. so adamant about not releasing some of these emails to the public? Because let's say Ripple could have used a lot of it in the lawsuit. Not only did you say they already would have, but why would they fear that the public get access to that information? Well, and I, I, I don't think Ripple's fearful of uh, uh, the public getting a hold of that information, but I think the SEC doesn't like it. But I think the SEC has made a clear decision long ago when they knew they had to release it to Ripple that they were willing to sell William Hinman to the state, as they say right? Push him out on a raft and he's on his own. And anybody else in those emails, they're on their own. So if that shameful behavior doesn't quite qualify as criminal, the integrity you had before everyone gets to see those emails is about to be wiped off the map, right? Yeah. And I think that's a big, big component to understand that as we move forward. I do believe that the SEC was personally under regulatory capture myself, working for a monopoly for Ethereum. And to a great degree, they succeeded for years. Johnny Crypto, I got to get your comments here as well. But before I do that, I want to read this tweet from Brad Garlinghouse. Brad Kimes brought up, this is a tweet right after the SEC was forced to reveal these emails to Ripple. He said, the SEC wants you to think that it cares about disclosure, transparency, and clarity. Do not believe them. When the truth eventually comes out, the shamefulness of their behavior will shock you. And their lead lawyer, Stuart Alderati, added to Brad Garlinghouse here, said over 18 months and six court orders later, we finally have the Hinman documents. And while they remain confidential for now, I can say that it was well worth the fight in order to get them. Johnny Crypto, floor is yours. I mean, you have to read between the lines here, right? Because we don't have the actual, the emails themselves. But obviously, these guys got to see them. And obviously what they saw was, you know, something that probably made them want to go puke, right? So I think what you realize here is that we know the SEC, the one fact we do know, Abs, the SEC fought this, what was it, six times? Six times they kept arguing not to release these, okay? Come on, guys. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to know that if somebody's trying that hard to prevent you from seeing something, there's a smoking gun in there that they don't want you to see. And I think when we get to see them, and here's what, you know, I started to think about this the other day. Everybody's like, why is Judge Torres taking so long to make a decision? You know what? Maybe she's thinking, hey, 
the decision I'm going to make is going to be industry changing. But it might be a lot easier for her to make that decision if the world can actually see what the SEC was doing. If those emails actually get out, think about it, they're not out there yet. But when they get out there and the world sees like, holy crap, there was really some nefarious stuff happening. It makes it a lot easier for her to maybe make rules. So, because again, don't forget, there's a shit ton of pressure on her. There was two factions in Congress, one pro crypto, one anti crypto. And if she rule, depending on which way she rules, she's either ruling pro in favor or against, right? Makes it a lot. Of, so I'm starting to think this is maybe strategic where the reason why she's waiting is let's get these emails out there. And then it becomes a lot more justifiable for her to make a decision. That's my thoughts. I'm curious what Brad thinks. Well, look, I just very quickly, I think I see in the comments here, and I just figured out how I could look at the comments. So if that's any. Learn uh, something new every day. Learn something new every day. But shout out to, uh, I think, hold on one second here, because I want to highlight the person said it. Greenwood Holding Company says it best. SEC serves creatures from Jekyll Island. JPM, mm. right? And other entities like that. And I believe that myself personally. And what a sad commentary it is, but I believe it's accurate, right? And uh, and and at some point, I, I saw somebody make a comment about the XRP burn. I don't want to sidetrack where we're at right now, but I think if we get time, we should talk about that real quick. A hundred percent. Let's do it right now, Brad, because I think you brought up a good point. I'm just going to read the update that you, that you referenced for our listeners. So this is a brand new update out of Eleanor Tourette, a Fox business reporter who will be joining the GMC show eventually, and it could be later this month. Both the SEC government and Ripple have jointly requested a one-week extension on a date to file for the Hinman documents and other requested redacted materials. This was due to the voluminous nature of the materials and redactions, and the new request should come in on June 13th, 2023. But we got to get into the XRP burn because a lot of people are asking questions. Brad, I'm just going to give you the open floor here. What's happening with the XRP burn? What is important about it to you? Well, we know that XRP is burnt a little bit each time there's a transaction. That's a natural thing. But the larger argument, and I think that uh, Eric Rolf Peterson is is asking about this, and I may be wrong, and forgive me if I am, Eric, but uh, it seems like, you know, the, the larger argument is what happens if the XRP escrow is burnt or should they burn the escrow? And I just have to say, like, I think it would be one of the worst decisions ever on the planet to burn the XRP escrow, period, full stop, because... It is the greatest asset on the books of Ripple. And Brad Garlinghouse has told us uh, months ago in a Twitter space he was in that they keep XRP at $0 on their balance book. So that means when they go to sell every month for operational cost, expansion, acquisitions, things of that nature, they are selling it at market, but it is at $0 on their book. So I think that speaks to the conversation about it's not a security either. But going back to the XRP burn, I think it would be one of the worst decisions on the planet because it is the great asset that that Ripple has access to that no one else does have access to. They have this escrow they can call on, and they've been amazing stewards of that escrow. And I think they've they've shown that for over a decade now, right? So I think that escrow is extremely important, Eric, and I hope that answers your question. It is the greatest asset they have. And then people are advocates for burning the XRP, uh, the escrow, because they think that would actually add value to the other circulating tokens. But I think you broke it down pretty well there. That's how Ripple facilitates a lot of their use cases. That's how Ripple is going to bring in a many banks, central banks into their ecosystem. So if you get rid of the escrow, you get rid of the XRP ecosystem. And as an XRP investor, 
you're kind of left in the dust. But we got 413 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And I just wanted to address this really quick, Brad. Another update out of the author who created that article titled Ripple Will Not Be Using XRP in Their CBDC. She is showing right now an email from Ripple's team. It said, hi, Catherine. The CBDC platform is a new private ledger built using the same technology as the XRPL. Central banks using the platform do not use or interact with XRP. And that's why she's claiming she used that misleading headline. So I'm just going to put a ribbon on this and close it out here. What do you think about that final statement there, Brad? Look, I, I, again, I mean, you know, to me, it, you know, she's just looking for a headline. Like if you go into the article, it didn't, she didn't obfuscate the point, right? You know what I mean? Like when I went into the article, she made the point. So for me, it was like, it was a headline, right? I mean, who doesn't need a headline, right? You know, but at the end of the day, she called a lot of trash over it, right? And that, and, and that, you know, is what it is. But to me, that makes sense that Ripple sent that to her. I mean, look, it's important to not go after people personally, right? You know, we're all humans in this space and we may agree, we may disagree and those kinds of things, but I like to stay focused on the points at hand and why I'm in the space. Don't make it personal, right? And it seems to me that Karen feels that this has become very personal for her or Catherine, excuse me. So, you know, uh, kudos to her for sharing that, you know, to try to let people understand that this was the message she was communicated. And Ripple does communicate very openly that way. They don't they don't tell you, yeah, we have XRP and you have to use it if you're going to be using our products. That's not the way it was designed from the from the inception. So uh, I'm glad she shared that and cleared the air. Yeah, and I think, Brad, you talked on something important, and we talked about this. This industry is under attack already. Yeah. Right? We don't yeah. need people internally fighting. We need everybody binding together. In fact, one of the things I'm hoping that happens here is you see the SEC. You know, they went after Ripple, and then they and now they're going after Coinbase, and soon they're going to be going after Binance. And to me, at some point, almost like the the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Is it, hopefully we're going to see an opposite effect happen where the SEC is going to force companies like Ripple and Binance and Coinbase to join together. And when they do that, that is when the industry is actually going to start winning some of these battles. The industry has to come together as a whole to fight for the industry. And then later on, they could go after each other and compete and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, right now, when it's in its infancy, the last thing you want is internal fighting. That should be between these companies. They all have to come together. So well said, and it, and it and it works on our ground level too, right? Us too, exactly. I, mean, I know that you guys are much the same way that I am. It's like this is the reason I love coming on your show. I, I've never attacked you, and you guys have never attacked me. That's like one of my first foundational principles. Like somebody wants to do something with me, I'm like, hey, well, let me figure out. Have they ever? The bar's that me? low, huh? Is the bar that low now, Brad? No, it's like, but I mean, it has to start at that foundational level, right? It's like, well, what kind of actor is this? What kind of person is this in the space? Is this someone who's just looking to get a leg up, but hoping you'll elevate them, you know what I mean? Because they took a shot at you or something like that, where we're not focused on the theories or the speculation or the news at hand, you know? It, right. it, it is hard when you're ground level to keep your eye on the ball, but it's even more important that we all do it. And I know that all of us have a responsibility to do it because you've got so many people in your audience, right? And so do I. And it's important to keep that on the ball because if we're not focused on how we're helping everybody in this stream, what the hell are we doing here?
That's exactly oh. why we do the show, Brad. We do it for our listeners. And it was so exciting to go to XRP Las Vegas and our Freedom Conference and put faces to the names. There's a guy in our live chat right now. They call him Nine Finger something. I had the opportunity to meet him at a conference. There's so many smart people, even smarter than myself, smarter than all of us who are listening to our show every day, absorbing this information and really feel like they know us. For me, that really did mean a lot. And Brad, the biggest article that everyone is talking about today that's not directly related to XRP is the ledger debacle. It is the ledger debacle and the fact that they're changing some of the fundamentals that have to do with their cold storage program. But guys, we got 408 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And thank you for being here on this Friday. I'd love to just get into this article, Brad, and then kick it straight to you. Ledger continues to defend its recovery system and says it's always technically possible to extract users' keys. I want to skip to a couple of key points within this article because, Johnny, remember that tweet we showed on Good Morning Crypto that they deleted yesterday? Well, here they are making a public apology for that tweet. So I feel like shout out to our investigative journalism. Awesome work there. Uh, nice. i myself on the back. Crypto wallet. Don't break your arm while you do that, okay? I'm just kidding. Crypto wallet maker Ledger has dug itself into deeper public relations hole on Wednesday when it supported its team in a now deleted tweet. It said, technically speaking, it has always been possible to rewrite the firmware that facilitates key extraction, thus allowing the company to extract your user's keys. Ledger support sent out a couple of tweets suggesting that it could make customers' assets vulnerable in any way that it wanted to, but thus far has not decided to act. You have always trusted Ledger not to deploy such firmware, whether you knew it or not. And it's important to understand that at the end of the day, any hardware wallet solution a user chooses to go with will always require that person to trust the developer to build and maintain a secure device to store your assets. That's not the quote I wanted to read, Brad. Here's the most telling tweet, and then I'm kicking it straight to you. This chief technology officer at Ledger tweeted out, a Ledger spokesperson also reached out to Coindesk to say that the company hasn't extracted user keys and any any action related to their keys would need to be approved by the customer. Any action that interacts with the user's keys needs to be approved by the user through their Ledger device, and we cannot extract their keys and will not extract their keys. That's directly from Ledger. We've got a conflicting narrative coming out of the company. One thing I will say going on around this story, terrible look for the company, regardless of if they're saving yourself the PR campaign. This is not a good look for people who are trying to get away from exchanges and into custodying your own assets. There's some egotistical statements here to say the least, Brad. So what stuck out to you most about this debacle? Well, look, uh, this this is a very meaningful you know topic to all of us. Right. And I know that I have personally used Ledger for six plus years without fail, without any issues whatsoever. And uh, I, I announced on my channel this morning, in fact, that I have taken down the link, the affiliate link away from my channel. It is off of my channel. And I didn't do that because I don't believe in them. I did that because of Ledger's different responses and the confusion that they've caused. And I have more questions now than I have answers. And the problem I have is, is I don't know what in the hell to believe now. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, and in the past two days, it's like, oh, we're here. We told the truth. Now we took it back. Now we're saying that you can, but you can't, but we can't without your permission. It's here. Here's what I know. The reason I've decided to move my assets from ledger, which I will be doing over the weekend, right? Is that, you know, from that understanding of that information rolling out, I'm left with, I don't know what in the hell to believe. So now I can't trust you. 
right? And I've trusted you for six plus years. So it's it's really a damn shame because I love the product and I've used it for so long. I don't want to have to move my assets, but to share even further, and it's not financial advice to anybody, right? But I, I just want to share that, you know, I'm probably going to split my assets where normally I would split like a third of my holdings on cold storage, a third on an exchange and a third somewhere else. You know, I'm probably going to go and say now, okay, well, now I'm going to go right to the Zum wallet, put a shallow bag for myself on, on uphold so I can get a quick cash out if I need to, and just be on my Zum wallet because I know it's very secure. I know that we'd say when, shout out to him, has shared some stuff this morning to reinforce the understanding of how secure they are. And it's a hot wallet. Obviously, you're directly on the ledger. You're directly on the ledger when you're at ledger, right? But it's about yeah. your keys, right? So the thing for me is, it's like, I know that even though Zum is on my phone, what's your fear there? What happens if someone steals my phone, right? Well, they still can't get into your Zum wallet unless they have those keys, right? So I think to myself, now I'm at the place where I'm like, why don't I just move to the Zum wallet and be there? Because I know even if my phone is stolen, somebody can't get into my Zum wallet itself. So that's kind of where I'm at this morning. Johnny, I know you have some comments, but I just want to put in my two cents here because we broke it down yesterday. Two things that people can do, Brad, and we broke it down here. There's actually a new website and one of our listeners or one of our team members, Andrew Cashflow, broke it down for our listeners. You can take your ledger the second you get it and reset your 24-word seed phrase so that way you don't even have the original 24 words they gave you. That could be another layer of security you can Ooh. add to your ledger. Pretty cool, right? I but like the that. The second thing we suggested is exactly what you did, a diversity approach. I'm somebody, I had 100% of my XRP in my ledger, unless it was on uphold. Keep about 10% on uphold in case we get a pump. I want to take some profits. Now I'm looking at Zoom. Now I'm looking at Trezor. I may use three or four different wallets. That way, if there is a compromise, I'm not sitting there holding nothing. But Johnny, I know you had some additional comments. The floor is yours. Abs, this is the classic case of how not to launch a new product innovation. <laughs> so this went from what they were trying to solve was people, right? People basically were struggling with like losing their keys. Right. And so we've seen that we've heard the story of the guy who can't get his Bitcoin, $22 million or whatever it's worth today uh, and can't get it because he lost his seed phrase. And so the industry needs to be able to move forward, needs some way to be able for people to be able to recover their, their seed phrases. Okay. So I think what they had was good intentions and in trying to, and this is my own, my take, right? Being in the industry, being a technical guy. I think they were trying to invent a solution to be able to solve the problem. The way they rolled it out and the way they talk about it, they absolutely 100% this will be a case study someday in, in, in Harvard or MIT of what not to do uh, when they came out. And you, you never want to flip-flop your stories back and forth. But the reality is this, guys. Technology, software, it doesn't matter where you go. Go to any any other cold wallet you want, they're all going to have a vulnerability. No doubt about it. And I actually appreciated the fact that they came out and told you the truth and said, hey, guys, if we want, we can steal your keys. <laughs> but we're not. Because but it turns out that's not the truth. And this is where I get frustrated with Ledger, the company themselves. Put out a statement like that, stick by it. They put out that hey. statement, they deleted the tweet, and then they had a higher representative come out and refute it. That's very confusing. And I'm somebody who follows it every day. Yes. Exactly. And that's where they really faltered. With, first of all, they shouldn't have put that out there because it just creates uncertainty and doubt. And most people don't know. I mean, anybody in the technical space knows that there's no 100 bullet. No, nothing's 100% bulletproof, especially any kind of software or hardware device. Okay, that's number one. Um, the reality is it's just a lower risk of probabilities moving from an exchange, which is the highest risk, 
to a hot wallet, which is a lower risk, to a cold wallet, which is even a lower risk, right? But there's always risk. But what the, the, the blunder they made here was going back and forth. And as you heard Brad just say, Brad's confused. And Brad's in the space. Like, he does this for a living every day. He's on top of this stuff. And now Brad's confused. They created, by revoking their statement, was the biggest blunder they made. They should have just left the truth out there and said, yep, this is true. But, hey, guys, we're telling you the truth because we have a high level of integrity. We will always maintain that integrity. Because once a brand loses that, that trust, forget about it. It's over. It's almost impossible to get it back. That's but, right. So they really, really screwed up here. They have a great product. People love them. We did a survey. 72% of people have a ledger. It is the number one most dominant. That's right. 72% abs use a ledger. That's, that's awesome. That's a great our, stat, Johnny. I didn't know that. Yes. That, that's some Merlin research. I probably shouldn't have shared it, but that's okay. I'm sharing it because, you know, we love our industry. We love our, our fans. So I'm sharing some, some, some information we learned. But that is a huge – I was actually stunned by the number abs. I actually thought it was going to be a little more balanced. But when I saw that, I was like, holy cow, these guys are a true market leader. And they have created, as at like as Brad said, six years have been usable. Trust. There's nothing wrong with it. The problem is they just said something now that's going to scare people. The, th the third thing is it's an option. You opt in for this solution or you opt out. They're not. If that, Could you imagine if they came out and rumors started getting out there that they're taking people's keys? They literally would be out of business within a week. They're never going to do that because their whole business model is built on trust. Johnny, so I want to have a more fun conversation. Well, not more fun conversation, but point out a bigger point here. This is what future customers want, said the CEO of Ledger. This is the way the next 100 million customers actually onboard into crypto. You know what this reminds me of? And this is a hot take here. Reminds me of the Bud Light campaign. Pushing your existing company, the, the people who have kept your company afloat, you're taking their interests, putting them to the side for this small user base that isn't even utilizing your product yet. So I just wanted to get your thoughts there, Brad, and then kick it back to Johnny. No, I think it's a fantastic point. And, you know, the, the problem is, is they talk about a firmware update would have to happen, right? So the, the scary part is, is what if I receive a firmware update, but I'm not sure. I think it's from Ledger, but it's actually a scammer. And now they're in my bags. Exactly. You know what I mean? And that's been my fear since I've heard this. And look, I hope that, that they get it worked out because they have been a leader in the space for a long time. But Abs, I think you make a fantastic point. You know, it's like to 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 push off the the 70 some percent, you know, to to cater to what is a percentage of people that you anticipate is just it's bad. It's bad. Brad, let's have a little fun here and talk about the Bitcoin conference today. Whalewire posted a new tweet. It said the Bitcoin Miami 2023 conference is essentially just a group of maxis playing chess for three days and scam influencers promoting their Ponzi scheme. Well, that's not the reason I wanted to bring this tweet up. They're referencing XRP Las Vegas in the number one response down below. They said, how would you, how would the whale describe XRP Las Vegas 2023? Very different response when referring to the XRP community. He said, it's a real event with people asking questions and discussions of the future. No cringy maxis creating ugly art no one wants and playing chess on the floor. Well, I'm not here to criticize other communities, but what I am here to do is promote our own. And if you want to talk about a once in a lifetime uh, conference and event, XRP Las Vegas was definitely that for me. So how do you feel about a, a large account like Whalewire? They have 1.2 million followers acknowledging your work, Brad. Well, listen, I mean, shout out to Whale Wire. Much love to them. I mean, look, I, I can't say anything bad. You know what I mean? I'm not going to say anything bad about Bitcoin Miami. But I did have someone send me a TikTok of a guy who was evaluating the attendance and what was going on that day. And it was 
It was pretty comical. But nevertheless, look, I hope everybody at Bitcoin Miami is successful. I want the Bitcoin Miami conference to be successful because I know it's successful for all of us if it is, right? You know, so so uh, there is that. But I have to say, shout out to Whale for giving me props on that because we did work extremely hard to make it a meaningful experience. And by the way, tag for XRP LV24. Let me tell you something. We have some very big ideas laid out that we are going to be pursuing, and it will look much different than what this past year looked like. But I'm planning on it being more immersive. So uh, hang, hang on to your hat. That's really Ooh. cool. And I already know there were some business and new relationships built through that conference. So I can only imagine the big names that are coming. And Danny seems to have my back here. He said, Abs, you're going to get canceled <laughs> if you keep it up. So, guys, I'm going to ask the GMC fam to just compete, keep supporting me out there. And if the global <laughs> elites reach out, you're going to be the first to hear it here on GMC. But this is our last update I want to give for you, Brad. This is a statement about Bank of America sharing customer information with the government without permission. And I think it plays perfectly into the conversation about cold storage and controlling your own finance. So we're going to play the short clip and go back to the group here. Here we go. And I think Americans need to hear it because there are other glimpses of just how the victimization is going on and how it's victimization at scale. This is one fact that struck me. The Bank of America records, the story that Bank of America turned over the credit card transactions, whether for an aircraft or a lodging, or the purchase of a cup of coffee for everyone who decided to come to Washington, to be in Washington area, the Northern Virginia area. That's one of the things that you asked questions about. There are victims all over the place. All of the people who suffered when the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security got involved in censorship with social media platforms, millions and millions of tweets and narratives being taken down. And I think that's a good place to pause it. Two things that he brought up that are so important. The three-letter agencies are fully involved in social media. And Elon Musk shed light upon that when he purchased Twitter. And if you want to talk about getting canceled, this is a conversation for me to have on air right now. As somebody who uses social media for my career, I love social media. I use it every day. But to say that it's an unbiased medium of exchange, it's just false. But let's move away from that conversation, go back to Bank of America. Bank of America shared everything from a coffee purchase to, you know, a gun purchase or whatever during the Washington, D.C. debacle. And I want to get your thoughts, Brad. Is that something that is just, has that always, has that collaboration always been happening in the background and the general public is just learning about it? Or is this a new development? Is the corruption reaching an all-time high? Well, I think it's a great question. I can't know the answer for sure, but I could tell you the cynical side of me says that absolutely this has been going on for a long time. We're just finding out about it, right? But but yeah, I, unfortunately, I think it's a sad commentary, but it's probably true. Johnny Crypto, give me some thoughts here because I know that you don't want to get in trouble with the three-letter agencies, but what do you <laughs> think about Bank of America's basically be, not, doing something they're not allowed to do? They're sharing customer transactions, and the reason we use these banks is so they don't do that. If you think this is bad, I'll just leave you with this. Wait till when the CBDC comes. This is exactly the concern everybody has, is the banks already have access to what we're doing yep. and what we can, you know, everything we can do. And, and they are supposed to protect that information and only share it uh, if it's called upon uh, with a subpoena. And apparently this was shared you know, just, hey, here's everybody's information. Go ahead and take it. You know, we don't, we're not going to protect it. And the reality is that is the number one concern when, when – now, remember, there's multiple banks, right? So if you did what BOF and they give your stuff where well, you're screwed. But if you were with another bank, you might have been safe. 
Well, what happens when everything is controlled by just one entity, the central, the CBDC, where literally one entity sees everything? Then it's game over. And so that is, I think, the biggest risk that we have here, Abs, is privacy. You listen, here's the bottom line. When we all started adopting and using these things, can you see my? Yeah. When we started using it, privacy has been gone. There's no real privacy left, unfortunately. Companies are doing their best to try and protect it. But the reality is, moving in the direction we are, this is where the true battle should be fought of protecting privacy versus not protecting privacy. But the bottom line is, people will give up their privacy because most people, I ask them, you know what the answer is? Oh, I'm not worried about it. I'm not doing anything illegal anyway. That's the answer. That's, that's what Yep, go ahead. Horrible I'm, saying, that's, I'm not saying I'm not saying I agree right or I'm just saying that's the answer I get when I ask people, you know, yeah. are you okay with you know with them looking into oh yeah, I don't care, I don't do anything illegal anyway. And oh, what people horrible. and what people don't realize, Brad, that's a slippery slope. It is a slippery slope. It's so scary, man. Um, I think you make a great point about CBDCs. It is the next, you know, mountain for all of us to climb to ensure that we get a central bank digital currency because we're going to get one. Right. You know, so when we get it, we need to make sure that it falls into into the constitutional rights and provisions, third party provider where they can't just simply look up your address and see what you were buying. There's got to be a warrant. You know, what I mean, just like you're coming into your home, the whole bit. There's got to be reasons for that activity. And it is something we need to all be together on. No question. So let me ask you this, Brad, with the infinite printing at the Federal Reserve, we're going to play a short clip and I have a follow up question for you here. Here we go. To the person who is about to grab their car keys and go to the ATM and take out $3,000, you say what? You don't need to. Your ATM is safe. Your banks are safe. There's enough cash in the financial system, and there is an infinite amount of cash at the Federal Reserve. We will do whatever we need to do to make sure that there's enough cash in the banking system. Anybody who listens to the bearable bull should be very thankful of the video he put out this weekend. He described Jekyll Island and how the federal bank was founded in 1913. And let me just share some news for you here. The same families who founded the Federal Reserve, it's a private company. Nobody else can own it unless you have that last name. They own the Federal Reserve today. Their grandparents were planning generations ahead. And I'm sure the people who are living today are planning generations ahead as well. And when you talk about the infinite printing at the Federal Reserve, the easiest way to do that is to make it go digital. They already print money digitally. Jerome Powell has said it. They don't actually turn on the printing press. They print about 1% of money in actual dollars. Most of it is electronic. And for us to make that system even more efficient, central bank digital currencies are how they're going to get it done. How do you feel about the process there? I'm not even sure what my question is for you, Brad. I just wanted to play that video. Well, look, I've seen that video clip over the years and I've covered it as well. And, you know, if all we need to do is print money, then why do I have to pay taxes this year? Why don't you just print what I owe you and you keep, you know, we'll just call it even. Right. right. But I do want to, I know we're wrapping, but I do want to shout out to Mr. Wright who asked the question. He says, what do you do and what do you get after moon? And I tell you, (laughs) and I'll tell you what I get. Cause I know people you get, you get in the house, you get in the car, you get in this, what are you doing? I'm going to tell you what I'm going to get. I'm going to get my time back. I'm going to get my time back with the people that I love and I'm going to try to create as many memories and experiences with them because none of us get out of here alive. Right. So you only get so much time. So you better, you know, focus on that and then everything else will come. And for me, Brad, I'm going to be buying a Lamborghini, a Ferrari. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, but I'm if you want crazy. those things, that's great too. Right. That's great. <laughs> Oh, I'm only kidding. I was actually making a joke. Johnny Crypto is the number one guy who talks about this. 
never put money over an experience. And we had a really fired up conversation, Johnny. You remember we were standing down by the water in Arizona. We were talking about taking on debt to have a personal experience. And guys, this is something hopefully none of our listeners have to go through of in the future. What's so exciting about the 360 people we have listening to us right now is the fact that you are insanely unique. You're absorbing information every day that the general public not only has no idea about, they don't even know it's coming. They don't even know that this stuff is in the works. When I talk to my grandma and other family members about central bank digital currencies, my grandma's a doctor. She's super smart. There's nothing there. They've never heard of it. They don't understand the concern. And honestly, they think that I'm crazy for being concerned. They don't even understand why I'm upset about a central bank digital currency because the reality is, it's not on the mainstream news, CNN, Fox News, CNBC. These are all controlled by the same people. And those same people, they have a global narrative. They have no incentive for America to succeed. They are part of a global alliance in the World Economic Forum and many other of these. Sorry, Johnny, I know maybe I'm saying too much on GMC, but I'm going to kick it back to you. No, I'll just I'll just say, you know, just to build off of Brad's point, I totally agree. First of all, people say, Johnny, you know, how much wealth is, do you want? What is it? I say, number one, health as well. If you don't have your health, you have zero. I don't care if you got a hundred trillion dollars in the bank. It doesn't freaking matter if you can't get out of bed or you don't have your health because you ain't gonna be here to enjoy it. So that's number one. Number two, I always tell you, for me, it, to me, I don't count when I die at the end of the day. I don't want to have the most money in the bank. I want to be the guy who had the most fun in life. That is how I run life. It's all about having fun, having experiences. That's why if I gotta go in a little debt to enjoy my life, I don't give a shit. For me, you know, you can't take the money with you, abs. That's one thing you're gonna learn. I agree with Brad. Time is the most important thing after you've got your health and your family. Once those things are set aside, it's the most precious thing. We have a very limited amount of it. And so if you can get any of it back, 100% agree. Take that time and do what you enjoy doing. I hear so many people saying, oh, I can't do anything. I work all the time. Well, you know what? That just means you haven't figured out like you haven't prioritized your life correctly. If you're just spending your whole life working. And I know the arguments. I got to pay the bills. Just that. You know what? You got to look at, there's always a way to balance it. And yes, you know, I, I know it's not easy, but there is a way. So enjoy your life, guys. You only have so much time. Make the best. And look who's joining us right now. I want to give a shout out to Crypto Airy. We actually used your tweet earlier in the show. So thank you for all the amazing work you do, Crypto Airy. Very appreciative of everything you put out. And Brad, I want to close this out with a little fun conversation here. Earlier in the week, uh, there was an article circulating where BitBoy Crypto said, you need 150,000 XRP to get to a million dollars. This is a fun conversation, not financial advice. None of us are financial advisors, but it's always fun to talk about price targets. And I wanted to get your take. How long? Because we know 150,000 is enough to get to a million. Do you believe that those $150,000 bags will see a million dollar target in 2025? That's a fun question. I don't know, but I'll tell you what, and not to be evasive, right? But I don't know. I'll tell you better how I like to think about it, right? Every individual should sit down and look at what you have in your portfolio. What number do you think that each particular project will hit that you realistically think it will hit? And then ask yourself, if you're trying to retire at a certain age, factor in the age, what do you want to be able to spend freely every year to enjoy your life? Is it $40,000 a year or $4 million a year, right? What kind of experiences do you want to have with you and your family, right? And reverse engineer that and say, oh, if I'm 
35 and I want to retire by the time I'm 50, then in this period of time, I want to live on $100,000 a year, whatever, whatever. I'm looking in my portfolio and I believe out of the 20 or 10 different things that these assets will go to at least this number. I believe it will achieve at least this number. Then you know you can reverse engineer those numbers to get the quality of your life somewhere close right? Even if you're off by a little one way or the other. And to me, that's always the best way to look at it. Cause I just, I'm horrible at predictions. I don't make them. I never make them from the channel. So I just feel like, you know, the best thing to do is to try to come up with a formula of how to reverse engineer your life so you can make the life you want. Amen. And JB said it best. Couldn't have said it better myself. Amen, Brad. And what I want to talk about just to close out this episode is just a fun price chart narrative, right? One of the things we've noticed about XRP and the price chart in and of itself, it's been coiling up dramatically over the last six months. It seemed that we bottomed out in 2022, and now we've been making a slow climb, waiting for some big news. And honestly, I was thinking it could be the resolution of the lawsuit. Now I'm thinking if the Hinman emails reveal something damning, that could be another catalyst for a pump coming. So I just wanted to get some fun thoughts there. What are you seeing when you look at the price chart? Not even price target wise, but are you anticipating any big movement off the news with the lawsuit or the Hinman emails? Is it John? Uh, Brad. No, sorry, Brad. I wasn't sure you were throwing a tip. Uh, look, I mean, certainly you could see a pump, right, on, on something like that. But, uh, you know, again, like, the, you know, the things that I'm here for are on each, each end of the spectrum, right? Like I'm here for mass adoption, which I believe they will achieve. And then it's a matter of percentages. Does Ripple achieve 10% of mass adoption? Does it achieve 70, 80, 90, 100%? What's that percentage going to be from Ripple's side of the equation? And that's exciting to wait for and see that grow. The other side of it is, is that developer down in there working on that idea that's going to be the next Google or the next Amazon, right? Yeah. We don't know what it'll be, but that's going to happen. And to me, I'm excited about both ends of that. And you know, there's a lot of people in this space that try to split you down the middle and you're not allowed to be excited about both sides of that, right? But the reality is that is what to be excited about is that Ripple and developers are coming at this thing from both ends. And at some point, clarity is going to happen and allow tons of money to pour in not only to the institutions and liquidity on the ledger, but also into the ideas and the things that are being built by that developer or team of developers in a garage that are working real hard to be the next YouTube or Google or whatever it is. And it's going to be amazing. And I think clarity is that log jam. And when we get that opened up, watch out. And one of the things, Johnny, before I kick it back to you about the XRP price chart is whenever this thing moves, it goes higher than people anticipate, but the bear markets, they last longer than the average trader anticipates. And I want to just break this down really briefly on a, on Good Morning Crypto. Look at what happened. And Brad, I know you're part of the community here. So was I. I originally made my first XRP purchase somewhere in this range about August of 2020. And I rode this wave up and then we crashed down. So we went to about from 25 cents to 70 cents off no news, just the beginning of the bull market. Lawsuit comes in. We go from about 70 cents to 17 cents on uh, on all exchanges. From there forward, we had a five-wave Elliott pumped all the way up to nearly $2, and we've been in a bear market ever since. The reason this is bullish, guys, is XRP never broke its all-time high. Regardless of the ODL, regardless of the adoption, the partnerships with central banks were yet to break all-time high and enter price discovery. And for me personally, I think that's when the big money is going to be made. I think if we break all-time high, and these are people much smarter than me are saying the same thing. 
We could see $8. We could see $9. We could see $12. And I've only been wrong before. So do not take my advice here, guys. I've only been wrong in the past. So one of the things that I am watching, though, is price targets to take it. <laughs> Opportunities to exit the market. Sorry, Brad. I'm laughing now. And we're going to be bringing that to you with Merlin. But guys, we got 372 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I want to say thank you to Brad and thank you to Johnny Crypto for joining us today. We're going to close it out the same way we always do. Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Thank Let's you. Let's go. Woo. Thank you, Brad. Thank you guys so much, man. You guys are the best. Have an amazing weekend. Love you.